episode two. So uh, yeah, we we made it. Hooray! <laughs> and we'll continue to make it. Um, I guess we've got some housekeeping to do. To we do. Uh, should we name our podcast now? Because we didn't name it first time. Officially right, unveil it now that we've got a name and put it out on the internet and yeah. all that. Yeah, welcome to the <laughs> Living La Vita Loca podcast with me, Faz, and... Oh, me, uh, Rich, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did not throw that over well. No, that did not that, go we should well. rehearsed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did the erm um thing. I said I was going to stop doing the erm um thing. I'm sorry for all the listeners out there with the erm. Um. I will try to beat that out of myself soon. So, we had some really nice feedback from the first pod. So, thank you to everybody that came back with that. I mean, I personally did. Actually, we didn't even talk to each other about what feedback we got. Did you get some good feedback? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard good things. Okay, yeah, that's nice. I, then. I heard one good thing. Um, that was the only feedback I got. What feedback have you had? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was just nice feedback oh, uh, that we were naturals. That mm. was a, that was a good piece of feedback. So that was nice to hear. I mean, my wife listened for a minute. That's so good. that was probably the amount that I wanted her to listen to it, really. Like, yeah, mostly for the play. <laughs> and I think that there was other sort of feedback saying it was a lovely first episode, which mm. was good. One bit of feedback I did want to talk to you about was... The cover art and mm-hmm. um, also the music. So we want to throw out a special thanks to Drawn From The Mind, who's a, a friend of mine from home, a close friend, and he is a digital artist, Nathan Baird, and he's been working uh, online for a long time now, and he collaborated with us to create the cover art uh, for our show and also the music as well. So thank you very much, Nath. It's much appreciated. And... One of the pieces of feedback that I'm sure you'll appreciate was that it looks like it's the final act of a gay porn. <laughs> the final act. <laughs> yeah, that so, does, that so makes it sound a bit So we're dangerous. building to playing I... handheld devices around the house, not, <laughs> not sort of starting there. I didn't know that's where this podcast is going, but... Or gone. Yeah, I I know, exactly, yeah. So it's not happening yet, but uh, we know we're only in audio uh, medium right now, so you can't guarantee that. But, you know, we hope that that, that comes across that <laughs> that is not the case anyway. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for that feedback, guys. So, really appreciate it. Um, damn the arms. 40 minutes of. Pure joy, 50 minutes of pure joy that first episode was for us. We really enjoyed ourselves and hopefully we'll continue to do so going forward. Speaking of pornography, another piece of feedback that I got was that it it was mostly. Well, I love the feedback revolved around pornography. (laughs) Hey, look, it's 2023. I think that it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't so much feedback so much as a do you remember? And I do remember, and I remember what one of the listeners told us was that there was some pornography on a UMD on the original PSP. And I, I mean, I, I, I'd love to sound surprised, <laughs> but considering it's a handheld device, and I guess at the time the thinking was, ah, teenage boys, we'll market to teenage <laughs> boys that are definitely old enough to buy pornography. Yeah, yeah. You could really ruin an analogue stick watching <laughs> porn on your PSP. <laughs> But I do remember it, and I remember it vividly because my uncle, who was actually listening to the show, um, bought me it for my 18th birthday. Really? Desperately Sexy Housewives. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember opening that up and thinking, wow, I've really made it as a, as a human. <laughs> I'm a man now. <laughs> I've got UMD porn. Uh-oh. Uh, also, my cat's about to walk across the computer. Um but Can you hear that? Maybe. Don't know. Maybe. Either way. <laughs> <hope> pornography. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sunset. To that's the name of the cat, by the way. Sorry, that wasn't my like name for Rich. <laughs> Unless he likes it. So, yeah, and I I don't remember uh, watching it, but I think I'm, I mean I'm, I will have done. I must have done. I don't think those hard ones are good for you, Sunset. You probably get your nose out then. Mm. And so I must have watched it at some time, but. I don't really remember much about it. If I find a good copy on eBay... <laughs> Is it going to happen? The chances are that I might have to pick up for research purposes. <laughs> I mean, 
did your uncle buy it new? <laughs> or like, <laughs> I, I, is it weird buying secondhand pornography? <laughs> God, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like a magazine, I guess. Yeah. Is it... <laughs> Was it okay until I mentioned it just then? Yeah, I am now freaked out. <laughs> I don't really know where that's been. And now I'm thinking, I must have got rid of it. So I must have got rid of my copy somewhere. Yeah, that's true. In the river, maybe? Unless you end up accidentally buying it on eBay and it's just gone around the houses and... Yeah, maybe it'll come back to me. I do... I, so, this has brought me onto a point here where I get the feeling that this PSP I've picked up on e, uh, eBay yeah. is my original PSP. No. It's not. I, but I, I was I ready for that. anything except that, right? I was <laughs> I, ready for, like, I think this PSP might be haunted or, you know, cursed. But your, be... your actual one... Like, why, why would you think that? It just feels so... Natural. It, feels like, <laughs> it just feels right. It feels like the one. It's my PSP soulmate. Just nestles nicely in the hand. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, and but then I know in my half heart it isn't because I had more dead pixels on my first one. But yeah, and that's just ruined that. But I, I do feel like certainly maybe if it's not the same one, to have the console back in my hands mm. and to be playing games on it again, and to be enjoying them to the level that I was over the last week or so. Mm. I was shocked, to be honest, to feel that way. I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense, because, I mean, certainly from the, the couple of minutes that I just spent on, on your one, um, you know, I was able to... I remembered how to turn it off, like, with the switch going upwards and, like, the kind of finickety um, bits and bobs. So, like, is there a kind of muscle memory thing at work there that just clicks back in as soon as... You know, I know last time you said about you know opening the disk drive and popping it in and all that kind of stuff, and it's just as soon as you start doing those things, hearing those sounds, like it'll just come back. <laughs> yeah, I think it's much like riding a bike, except not. <laughs> <laughs> that would involve exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see when I pick up Dave Mirror on PSP. When's which... that going to happen? Well, I think so. Especially now since it's the second worst rated game on the PSP. I need to see why that is the case. I can only assume the mechanics must be horrendous because they were pretty Surely. difficult on the PS2. I think I remember on the PS2 you had to tap your shoulder buttons to get like, pedal your feet well, that on that. That would kind of make sense. And I remember really enjoying that. Yeah, well, it's tactile, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of like riding a bike without the necessary... Uh... Exercise. Yes. I mean, do you want to tell your story about what you've been doing with your Vita and, and picking things up game-wise? And... Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I've um, unfortunately disappeared down the um, PlayStation TV rabbit hole um, and spent far too much money um, getting some bits and bobs lined up on that. Mainly old PlayStation games, weirdly. like I've, I've lent more into the, the classics rather than the actual Vita games. Um, but much as anything, what kind of struck me about setting it up with like an American account and, and doing that was how much better the digital store was <laughs> from America. <laughs> you can browse by genre, <laughs> you know, these groundbreaking features like that. Um, still can't sort by price, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting to see how different it, it feels to just as a sort of a shopping experience, I guess, for for want of a less wanky way of putting it. Do you uh, feel that we get shorted as gamers in Europe? We definitely did <laughs> once upon a time. Yeah, um, and I think the the more I you know look at retro games and and start trying to um, you know go back and and play more import things or things from from other parts of the world. Um, it's really easy to see how shafted we were <laughs> quite a lot of the time. I mean, you know, you go back to like PS2 era and earlier and we're, we're having to slum it with 50 hertz instead of 60, so Tekken 3 feels like you're playing it in mud. Um, <laughs> it really did. It really Eddie Gordo, did. like, is he yeah. sort, of, sort of spinning round? Yeah, exactly. Just sort of like a mild swirl rather yeah. than a spin, <laughs> you know? Move your legs, Eddie. No. Yeah. So, yeah, and it, I mean, I remember back in the day, the first import games that I played were um, on my GameCube. I had one of those, like, action replay things where you oh, could okay. play imports, and I had a Naruto game from Japan that I had no idea what it was or what was going on with it. 
um, and an American copy of Custom Robo. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was great both times, but that felt like the kind of start of, oh, actually, like, there is a, a bit of a market in the West. And that's fundamentally fucking ridiculous yeah. because that market was there long before I got to it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that looking back, you can see, I mean, sometimes it's difficult enough for me with the internet finding stuff to play. Like, God knows what it must have been like to trawl through catalogs or, you know, your uh, local companies doing little bits and bobs. So, yeah, it, it's um, the sort of thing that you go on to your computer or, or whatever and you can just browse more or less what feels like everything mm. and uh, you, you sort of appreciate it in some weird small way yeah um, and then you spend a lot more money you don't have so <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah I feel like um, whenever I go to arcade club for example so hopefully some of the listeners will be to arcade club uh, Berry Leeds Blackpool I believe they have a branch at now I think so and the lowest level in the Leeds branch certainly is dedicated to foreign gaming. Yeah. And some of the games in there are just absolutely stupendous. Like I have the most fun on that level. The sights and the sounds that you get, like throwing ping pong balls at some sort of drums. <laughs> that, and, and I'm like, this is, this is gaming? But I'm like, but it is. Yep. It's incredible. And I remember having the experience when I went to Hong Kong um, and we went into what I can only describe as a replica of a cruise ship in the middle of the city. What? <laughs> I know, exactly. And But it was a shopping mall come arcade area and you went into the oh. basement of it and it was an arcade club in the basement and have, playing House of the Dead in there and even just shooting hoops on the basketball in there was just such an amazing experience. Like, it was like 11 p.m. at night, and like I guess it was all part of the experience of being, you know, in the Far East, and you know, being up until late, and the whole city still being vibrant and things, and having yeah, that yeah, big yeah. city feel, obviously added to it. Yeah, but doing that in such a surreal environment, but noticing everyone having the exact same amount of fun you would have in this country, and you just think, and that made me think, well, you know, like why do we not get a lot of these games or these types of games over here? And having things like Arcade Club around us is a fantastic experience that we've got now and I'm really glad to have now. But you kind of wish you would have had it as a child a bit as well. Definitely, definitely. Because, I mean, when I was growing up, it would always be, you know, the the machines at Hollywood Bowl or at cinema and stuff like that. And it it would always be light gun games, Mm. like light gun games, wall to wall. Don't Um, get me wrong, though. Like I mean, they're games. great. Like, Do you know what I mean? You know, like... I, I miss them so much. Um, <laughs> they, are, they are gone because they cost so much money now to have one on our normal television. Like, is it like £150 or something to get a modded one that you can get? And you don't, they haven't really got supported games, I don't think. They're just made yeah. by the same developers. It's not like you can just get Time Crisis 2 kicking about with it. Yeah, it, it's... Um... It's one of gaming's losses that I still mourn, <laughs> and I'm okay saying that. <laughs> this is a sad start to the pod. It, it really is. I'm sorry, and now I just kind of want to play Time Crisis. <laughs> um... <laughs> In bed with a bar. <laughs> well, I mean, I can segue to a review of Uncharted if you like. Talk, I mean, we, talking of floaty shooting, <laughs> we we can do that. Yes. Mm. So. How about we review the games that we've played this week and then we can get onto what we're going to call, I guess, our general conversation that we're going to have, which yeah. we something that's been burning our heads for a little while. Yeah. And it comes on... I'm going to go back to the porn. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be talking about perfect length or maybe perfect girth of computer games. And we will come on to that after our reviews. But mm-hmm. I guess having... PSP back in my hands again has reminded me that games don't have to be long to be in, in depth or to have that feeling of accomplishment about them. Yeah, it, it's not the size, it's what you do with it. it yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, that is well true. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Uncharted felt a bit too big. <laughs> if, I'm being, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Oh gosh. Nathan Drake, what have you done to Rich? <laughs> so... You know, like Vita, they they go 
big on this whole. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, oh. <laughs> right, we need to drag ourselves out the dirt here. It's my fault. I'm really sorry. I should emphasize that this I is feel, not scripted. <laughs> I feel like a desperately sexy housewife right now. <laughs> so yeah, um, uncharted. <laughs> I probably should put it out with drinking as well, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that would be. Well, that would should be we do that quite first before we go into any reviews? Yeah, I'll let you it's... tell the listeners what was going on with them. Yeah, so we're. Um, I bought these. This isn't a spot, by the way, um, but I was in Halifax the other day, as you do, um, and uh, Vocation, which is one of these breweries out in uh, Hepton Bridge, I think. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have a bar there, and um, it, I won't lie, it was a bit of a highlight of the trip. Um, and uh, so I picked up a couple of cans of their, uh, what was it, Triple Hopped Triple Hopped. Um, yeah, Love and Hate. They had a few versions of Love and Hate. They had a double, um, and they I think they had a, I don't know, single? Regular? <laughs> like, I don't know what the... Hopped. Just standard hopped it... IPA. Um, so I've not had the triple one before. So you can pick up IPA, the double hopped one, in, like, Tesco, well... Morrison's like Asda etc etc like that's quite regularly available I'm drinking this so this is 7.2% now Love and Hate which is this brand of the vocation beer mm. they I think it comes in an orange can normally yeah the double hopped one it's strange because this doesn't taste any stronger than a double hopped one no but it kind of has the same sort of kick as part of the review, I would say, or any beers that we're going to be reviewing going forward, is this a review? I guess it is, kind of. We're just telling you what we're drinking, really. Yeah. And I love triple-hopped IPAs. They just get me going, probably because they get <laughs> me drunk. But I also, I just the flavour's incredible. And a lot of people kind of think, oh, it's just too much. But the more dank, the more cloudy an IPA is, the happier I am. If it tastes like lactose and thick, and it's getting me hammered i'm so chuffed <laughs> and this is this is getting there this is getting there it's, it's not it's not far away from being exactly the kind of ipa that i would love it definitely like tastes thick is is a good way of putting it like it's uh it's got some heft to it <laughs> i um i haven't drank anything like this for a long time I, i've struggled to find triple of high ba I can't. Oh no! Mm. It's happened. I couldn't even say that sentence. Triple hopped IPA. <laughs> it wasn't even. A, it wasn't even a red lorry, yellow lorry situation. <laughs> oh, you said that all right. Uh, <laughs> give it time. <laughs> but yeah, this is a real good one. I um, I've struggled to find beers this good. It's something called Versions, and I actually had another Vocation beer this week, and I had the sour pancake version. Mm. Of an IPA, which was a limited edition around Pancake Day this year, it cost me a timely sum of six pounds to try, but it was delicious. It you was very. Fl- it was a sour. It was a very flavoursome sour. I'm struggling to make the jump between pancakes and sour, but then I always have very very sweet pancakes. Well, I that's, guess that's it. my fault, not theirs. But it did have a sugary feel to it. Hmm. So whilst I'm sort of singing the praises of dank cloudy singing the praises of dank it's <laughs> <laughs> a great name for an album <laughs> i also really enjoy a sour and uh, there's a rainbow sour for example that has to sell uh, it's called Quiglow or something like that and it does taste like sherbet and i'm like oh this is great it is sour but it, it does taste like sherbet as well so i guess that's what i've got the feel of the own vocation this week so Vocation Beer at the moment is definitely one of my favourite ones up there as a brewery. And I think, you know, once a week when we come together to do the pod, we'll talk about some beers. And, you know, if we turn people on, not in the gay pod way, if we turn people on to certain beers, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No, exactly. Um, but it also does go some way to explaining why we might occasionally start cackling. Um, and stuff Some like way. that. Some, Some way. way. Like, it's, a, it's a good half of the explanation. <laughs> um, what were we going to do? Review games. We were, yeah. Um, so Uncharted. Um, yes. You know, they they big franchise on the, the home consoles, mm. stuff like that. You can see why Sony were like, hey, we've got this new handheld. We want to, you know, bring the console experience out to the streets and, you know... <laughs> Out to the streets, it, uh, like it, all the hard hitting yeah. children with the PSP. Exactly, yep. All Definitely in gangs. All both of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and uh, yeah, so it is. It felt like quite a long game, um, and I don't think it's anywhere near as uh, long as say Uncharted Two or, or anything like that. And I don't. I, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say it was a chore to play, <laughs> but. I mean, you you played the first couple of levels. As soon as it decides that it's going to be like, hey, the Vita's got a feature, mm. you're going to sit there and you're going to learn how to use the fucking feature, yeah. whether you want to or not. And like Uncharted's always had this really good momentum to it. You know, it, it always feels like you're, you're pushing forward and it's this big journey. And those bits where you're, you know, on a balance beam, not a balance beam, you know, like you're balancing on a log or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the balance beam of the streets. Nathan, uh, Nathan, <laughs> just like trying to sort out his I game. Mean, you know, good enough for Lara Croft. Yeah. <laughs> so, Was there a button there? Uh, no, but mm-hmm. then you are, you do always have, you know, an AI companion with you who yeah. is, you know, varying levels of irritating. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll be merrily pulling along and then suddenly you, you sort of stop halfway across this log and then you have to stop and balance by tilting the console. It's not like you can just use the stick and keep moving and just be good at pointing in the right direction. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you're having to do charcoal rubbings or, you know, later on you're having to paddle canoes by flicking the screen. You have to navigate the menu by flicking the screen. And it's all just... It's those moments where it's moving away from the buttons, it suddenly feels a lot less like Uncharted. Um, and, like, not only that, but... Story-wise, you know, it may as well be called Inevitable Betrayal the Game. Like, we, we all know <laughs> the deal by now with Uncharted. Um, but, like, it, it's still... You know, the other ones flirt with the supernatural a little bit, or, you know, they'll do something a bit different. This one, to their blockbuster stories, this feels like the kind of TV adaptation where they have to <laughs> keep it a little bit, you know, shorter and a bit under budget and all that. Or, you know, you've got... Uh, Nathan Drake's journal, you know, it's all very Indiana Jones, but you go into it and you're flicking through with the screen and it, because of all the collectibles, it looks like a sticker album. Yeah. You know, and, and things like that. So, you know, you've got all that on the one hand and then you've got the fact that it looks great. It, it sounds great. When it is, when it remembers it's uncharted, like, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good yeah. at what it does. Um, I mean, the shooting is still floaty as anything. I think that, um, just to come back to the point there, mm. when you said it looks great, it was a launch title for the PSP. I think it was, yeah. So, yeah. what, 2012 was it? I think, yeah, right yeah. And it looks very good for a game from 2012 on a handheld console. Yeah. Like, there's, I mean, how much is this, the Switch pushed that graphically for, I guess, what you call a handheld mm. console? It definitely is, obviously, from an age difference. You can see that, but... Not massively. Like, when I played on that there, I was really impressed with how it looked for a game that is now 11 years old. Yeah, and I think the the screen size um, counts for a lot. The original Vita had an OLED screen, which would have helped as well. Mm. Um, This version doesn't. Okay. Um, So, you know, the colours are a little bit more muted on my one, I think. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think handhelds in general, until you you know getting towards like Steam Deck and stuff like that, have necessarily um, you know pushed it. I think the difference is performance. Like occasionally, if you're in a an intense firefight or something like that, you know explosions and floaty floaty gunfire where you think you've shot a guy in the head four times and he's still staring at you like a burke, you know like it, it's <laughs> um, it starts to judder a little bit and you know occasionally looks a bit jagged around the edges. But on the whole, like it it holds up really well. I think. Um, so yeah, pretty solid. I mean, it's got a load of bump in it that, you know, you can't use nowadays. Like, a lot of the collectibles are tied to this card game that you can't download anymore. Okay. Um, and they had this whole black market thing for, like, the the near function on the, the Vita that you could trade items. I never even friggin' knew that existed until <laughs> I sat down, um, you know, um, this week to, to play it. Um so yeah, it, it's it was uh, an enjoyable revisit. Probably won't go too far out of my way to play through it again. Mm. Um, you know, it's been I don't know, maybe eight years, maybe longer, because I'm usually a couple of years behind the curve on consoles and stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I've not sat there going like, oh, you know what? I really fancy playing. I fancy playing Uncharted Golden Abyss. Mm. Uh, you know, whereas in that time I've played Uncharted two like three or four times. Okay, right. You know, so yeah, it, it's it holds up, um, but it definitely falls victim to that whole. Hey, this is a new console. We've got new features. I feel like replayability might be something we might come back to in, in our general conversation at the end. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's probably um, probably an important point. If you were going to put a completely arbitrary number out of ten, oh, <laughs> we don't have to do that. that. We don't have to do that. But I feel like for me, not being as aware of the game, even I've played, you know, the whole fifteen minutes that I played before the pod just to get a feel for it, so we can ask some questions around it. You know, I, I've I've seen the tutorial effectively, and it looked great. It looked like it was building up to something that would be great. But I also saw limitations straight away, where I thought this is going to sound strange. But within the fifteen minutes, I was like, I kind of feel like I've seen most of the game. I haven't seen the story, but mm. I've seen all. A lot of the main mechanics I feel like I need to see, especially out of the the Vita exclusive mechanics. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much bang on. Um, and I mean, it's. I think the the most creative they get later on is at one point you have to hold the Vita up to a light to get you know the impression okay, that sounds of like really cool though some like, paper and yeah, yeah like light shining behind it. So it's some good use of the camera. Problem with that with with this particular playthrough was that the light in my living room isn't bright enough, so I had to get my phone out. And like, and so I, was, I had the torch on my phone and I had the Vita in the other hand, trying to get them all lined up, and then I kept blinding myself because I got it wrong. Um, so I feel like that's an indictment on energy saving light bulbs. I feel like it's an indictment on my hand-eye coordination. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but either way, I, it, the point is that that's the one time that happens. Mm -hmm. Everything else is... Front touch screen, rear touch screen, gyro. That that's it, and and it's variations of the same thing. Like if you've cut down one set of bamboo canes, you've done charcoal rubbings, you've done this. Yeah. Stuff. The most natural it ever feels is if you are using the camera or the sniper rifle. Okay. Sniper rifle in particular, because it's still like baked into the the gunplay, mm. but you can zoom in with the rear touch pad. Right. Yeah. Like so. That's cool. It feels a bit more natural, and I didn't even realize I was actually using the gyro to aim mm. quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I usually turn it off on the switch. Like I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I mean, but on that, it felt it felt quite natural. So yeah. you know, some of the implementation of some of these new features does does work. Mm. But you're absolutely right. Like beyond that, 15 minutes, the only real difference is is the kind of context of it. Yeah. Um. For for anything that you're doing. So yeah, I I think it is a little bit one note. And usually with Uncharted, the story can pull you through. I'm not saying it's always fantastic but in this one it, it's definitely the weakest of the the lot um if i had to put an arbitrary number on it i think when it first came out i probably would have scored it an eight or a nine but i think nowadays I, it's a pretty solid seven mm -hmm. you know it, it's and i think that's more of a backhanded compliment for how well it's aged that's not rather bad, than yeah exactly that's not bad like and if we're going to be doing this i'm going to be marking harsh right <laughs> yeah we've got I, to yeah, we can't leave ourselves no room to go seven is not average people <laughs> we cannot leave ourselves no room to go one of our good friends who rates his beers on an app like went way too high for his first 100 beers and it just ended up being stuck in the nines for oh, everything you don't want to do that and i'm like dude come on now like you know like you Five out of ten is average. That's what it should yeah, be. It annoys nice me when oh no, seven out of ten is average. No, five out of ten is average. Yeah, like what is the point in one, average. two, three, four if we're not going to do this? Exactly, exactly. And if we get to the stage that I'm using decimal points, then I've failed, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like I am going to be talking about my games in a good light, but. They're definitely going to be marked harshly mm -hmm. because that's just a fair way of doing things around <laughs> my around my parts. So, uh, talking of splitting things up into smaller and smaller chunks, do you want to do Mercury? I yeah. Do I want to do Mercury? Do you want to do Mercury? I I guess that's for anybody that has played Mercury out there. That is a good question. Do you want to play Mercury? <laughs> because so Mercury was a launch title for the PSP all the way back in 2005 and I just want to kind of 
sort of build out a little bit of a story around that in terms of what the world was like then. Um, I bought my PSP from Virgin Megastores on the 1st oh, of September Virgin 2005. Megastore. I think I bought them with Virgin Megastore vouchers, which were huge. They were like <laughs> massive, these gift vouchers, and they made you feel so amazing. You're like, look at the size of these things. They're like Willy Wonkers. Like, honestly, they're like, it's incredible. I had a golden ticket for yeah. the PSP. It was, yeah, I probably felt like it. Oh, I'm, I'm jazzed. <laughs> the beer, the beer and the PSP retro talk has got me psyched up. And I went and sat with my girlfriend at the time in something called Deep Pan Pizza, which is also now defunct, like Virgin Megastores is also defunct. And this is why it feels like a retro podcast, because everything around everything's it, defunct. including the girlfriend, is defunct. <laughs> and But the PSP is not in my life. And yeah, I remember having it immediately, Mercury, in the first week. I don't think I got it with the PSP, but I bought it within the first week. And I picked it up, I think I said it last week in the podcast, for £1.89, and it's sequel, Mercury Meltdown, for about £2.50. And they are two vastly different games. Mm. I thought I'd talk about them both in the same podcast, because I don't think they need their own separate podcast to talk about. But the differences are just massive. Mm. Mercury itself feels like a real developmental game. It feels like the studio built it with the PSP in mind, which they wanted to test the analog stick on a handheld. That makes sense. Uh, So the PSP, compared to a Vita, has one analog stick. And getting used to that, coming away from all your home consoles, which started in a PS2 and Xbox, having two analog sticks and moving around with two analog sticks, to have one analog stick and your D-pad and having to adapt games to that is quite interesting, really. Mm. But you can tell that they kind of went, right, okay, we're going to try and find this game that's a bit like Super Monkey Ball. And they tested it on something. I think they tested it as a mini game on Jimmy White's cue ball snooker, I want to say. <laughs> that's where Archie McLean, the developer, spoke about last week. Um, he sadly passed away in December this year. He built, he built those games. And the next game, I guess, for the next generation was Mercury. Oh, that makes sense. So it's almost like they started with the physics and kind of exactly, worked around yeah. that. Ah. And you... I guess you control a ball of mercury uh, using the tilting of the stage. And in the first game, you can do different um, versions of tasks. So you can either you either have to have as much of the mercury left at the end of the game. You have to have a certain colour to go through certain, I guess you'd call them, gates. And then land on, uh, I guess you, I don't know what you'd call it really, sort of... Um, I guess it's just a finish line. Yeah. <laughs> just a finish yeah. line, so it doesn't really call it anything. Uh, and then you can also have it where you have a race as well. Now, the race tasks are probably the easiest ones, I think, uh, and the most enjoyable ones. And the task, I shouldn't call them task tasks, the task <laughs> levels are the hardest ones by far. What you find with Mercury is that they are very lumpy in difficulty, even with the, uh, when it goes Mercury Meltdown, uh, the easier of the two games, that it's still lumpy and difficulty. And you get levels called combo levels where you have to combine all those things where you've got to get a certain amount of mercury over the line, you've got to do it as quick as possible, and also you've got to do it by hitting going through these certain gates. And then there's a boss level as well. Now, the boss levels start off pretty easy in the first worlds, but they get hella hard later on. <laughs> but not just that, it's not just the boss levels either. Like the first levels within worlds become extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. World four <laughs> task one. So fucking hard. <laughs> I was ripping my beard out. I, I even texted you and said, this is not the first time and it won't be the last time that I called Gravity a prick. Yeah. But yeah. I, I genuinely said that out loud. I was just so angry. But I was enjoying myself angry. Like, I was, I was, it, it was such a good challenge, Mercury. And it was exactly what I remember it being the game. Mm-hmm. I remember it being a really hard game, but one that I was, I'm going to do this. I'm going to complete this challenge. I'm going to get all the way through this game and I will enjoy most of it. But some of it will be a grind as well. Mm. But the grind won't be so much that it's completely impossible. You just have to play that level perfectly to get it. Funnily enough, like that, that's something that I think is going to pop up in the, the chat about game length as well, mm. because certainly as I've got a bit older, 
that is something I appreciate a lot more in my games. But for for Mercury, like, and considering how you know I've been talking about the kind of tacked on features on Uncharted and and things like that, would you would it be fair to say that with Mercury they kind of took this new snazzy feature on the PSP that that analog stick, and instead of tacking on, like the the game is built around it. And would you say it's it's stronger for that rather than you know, having multiple control methods or anything like that? I would say, for me personally, absolutely. I didn't realise until I played that game how much I enjoy just a basic mechanic that works mm. really well. Yeah. And I don't need all the bells and whistles. I just need one thing that works really well. And there's no story to it. Like I said, it's a very paired-back game. And certainly the first one compared to the second one, which we'll come on to in a minute, um, the colours are quite dull, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it's the, quite functional. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so functional. It is just a develop. It's a developer's game, mm. and you think, well, there should be more around this, maybe, but it doesn't matter in the end. I still sat there for ten hours this week and completed Mercury, and whilst the first couple of levels took me maybe two hours, it then became a grind later on to get through worlds, and it was sort of like one of the levels. Right, okay, this level took me like an hour. Just one level took me like an hour of those 10 hours. But when I did it, man, like I was like, I had the beads of sweat dripping down my face. (laughs) And I was like, just coming from a shift at work, I was like, I'm going to do this. I cannot sleep until I do this. (laughs) And the obsession that you feel with a game like that, that's that's a fantastic feeling when you do it. And it's weird. That's a gamer's sort of feeling, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It kind of goes back to the arcade days as well, and you know the that struggle, yeah. <laughs> the eternal struggle, the eternal struggle uh, to just yeah complete the thing. And yeah, I, I kind of feel like I was missing that with Uncharted. Mm. You know, because it's it's meant to be the story that that keeps you going, and and it just it just wasn't there. So it felt felt a bit flat. Um, so so how's uh, how's Mercury two? Different uh, emojis and, and more colour, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and they want you to they want you to have fun. And the it, bastards! Can, I know horrible people, and <laughs> they. I know that the developing companies split. I think after the first one, and you can tell they've got more time to develop that game. So I think it came out about a year and a half later in Europe, and it's almost really recognisable that they've had more time to develop the game into a a more rounded experience. Mm-hmm. So there is an option to play party games, although they're extremely difficult to unlock, it seems, for some reason, for a party. So well, you're knocking on the window, it? and it's like, it's your own birthday party, and you can't get into it. And it's like, oh, come in, mate. Oh, no, not for you. <laughs> like, I don't understand. I have to complete half the game to get one party game. You've got to earn the party. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to earn the party. Yeah. Earn the party. Yeah, that's... that. If I was ever going to say something that I think that you would say to me, <laughs> you got to earn the fun. you got to earn the party. got to earn the fun. <laughs> Work for the party. <laughs> and it's, yeah, they just really try and shove it down your throat. It's cel-shaded. It's super colourful. The music's really jaunty. You can kind of go on whichever level you want. You can't skip worlds, but there's, okay. there's more levels in Mercury Meltdown. I think every world has like 16 levels in it, rather compared to like 12 in the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after about 10 completions of levels, you can go up to the next world if you want to. And that unlocks number 16. So it's never really stuck on something. So whereas on Mercury, the, the first game, you might get stuck and have to continue to do that level. You, I think there's some variants where you can do one or two different levels, but you still feel like you, to get to the boss, you have to do that. Whereas on this one, you could actually play the boss of a world the first time around. Right. You could be the first level you did if you wanted oh. to. And you could work your way around any of the levels. And funnily enough, I found the very first level that I played to be the hardest one until the boss on the very first world. Hmm. So after that, there was some really sort of fun, different types of mechanics on there. Some of the levels are really roller coastery, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, oh, I'm just having fun flowing through this level. And all I've got to do is stick to the side rather than worrying too much about it. There's some fantastic differences um, where there's a level where you, you crawl walls and there's um, like the travelator of Gladiators. Oh, no way. And it's brilliant because like, tra- you travelate. <laughs> that is definitely a word. Definitely. Can't take it back. It's gone on the internet. 
you travel out up the wall and you've got to take all of your mercury blob with you and if you don't keep it in the middle of this escalator travelator thing it will then start to drop at different speeds and split you into different pieces and you can't have that you've got to have a certain percentage so you've got Ooh. to get it bang in the middle and then when you get to the top you have to then take your mercury you have to dive off onto the next travelator oh god that's so much fun that's brilliant <laughs> so much fun and then on an off piece and this works for both games committing mercury suicide sometimes it's just really fun. Like you, you know, you've got to start the level again, but you're like, I'm going to drive my blob off the edge here because I've lost the the piece that I need. I'm just going to fucking kill it, and that's that's what you get, you inanimate metal shit house. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's it's fun, and yeah, that's that's a great difference um, from the first game that they've just got a little bit more to it. Yeah, I think that there's also different states I didn't play all the way through Meltdown I didn't have enough time but um, there's different states you can be as a mercury blob as well so you can be a more solid mercury blob where you where you turn into like a metal ball and roll around on skates and there's also something called the playground where you go into the menu and you go to the playground and it gives you everything it's just a little playground where you've got lots of fast moving things you can change your state you can change your colour you can just practice being a mercury blob in this level and tilt it all the way around and just have fun and I was on that for about half an hour because I was like right this is just everything I need in this one little area I don't need to be doing tasks I can just mess around but that that speaks volumes does it not about like how how much effort they put into like making it feel good mm. to you know control this um, inanimate metal shithouse and <laughs> um, you know get it to do these things but also like when you're going to throw it over a ledge it looks right it feels mm. right how it's moving and for them to have the confidence to go yeah we could just put you in a room with all of the toys and we know you'll have fun but at the same time know that it's probably quite a good tutorial yeah. as well yeah. like that's that's a clever bit of design because up to that point it sounded like it was definitely leaning a bit more towards the monkey ball end of hey guys let's let's have fun and i think that th- that was really underlined by the fact that everything is there's a hint here or there's mm. a tutorial there or the playground it they're just like we're going to give you as many tools as you possibly can have to be good at this game it's still the same game mechanically but we want you to have a really good time playing this game and i think they must have heard the fans from the first game and said look they've come out and said they really love our game but it, it's so hard in places mm. Even if it is still, even if we are going to make it a challenge, it has to be fun while you're doing it. So, if I was going to choose between the two games which I was going to play again, uh, I talked about the nostalgia last time. I absolutely love the first game, Archie McLean's Mercury. I think it's such a pure experience. But looking at the fun side of it and the different features and things, I don't think you could necessarily say that you're not going to you would go back to that rather than playing Meltdown. I think Meltdown has just stepped up. And the only thing I like more about the first one is I quite like the dull, sort of easy-going to- tones, really. The cell shade is a bit too cartoony for me. Okay. Uh, and like you said, the emojis and things, and you get a little crunchy face when you sort of fall off the side, <laughs> and I'm like, well, don't crunch your face at me. I'm trying to get in there. <laughs> so that was the only thing that kind of puts me off a little bit, but from the amount of content you get from the second game and... The, the different features you get I think that you can't say that the first one's better than the second one mm. really my my nostalgia head's like oh yeah it's the first game you kind of one of the first games you bought on the PSP definitely one of the better games but I know in my heart of hearts actually Meltdown's a better game overall mm. arbitrary scores out of 10 I think I would give Mercury a 7 and I'd give Meltdown an 8 nice yeah and in terms of playing them again I've got. I could just pick them up and play them any time, mm. and feel like, yeah, I'm gonna have a good time doing this. Either of them, so I've got to go and finish Meltdown and see if it gets as hard as the first game. But from what I remember from memory, it doesn't, and I think that that's probably beneficial. Yeah, yeah. So is is now a good time to start talking about game lengths? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think game girth, game length, game girth and length. Because it, it sounds from, particularly from the first Mercury, that you, you kind of 
you know, well, like we said, you have to earn the fun and put in the hours to like learn the levels and and all that. And that, um, as someone who is a a recent convert to to shmups, um, I can definitely appreciate that because, you know, time was like with Uncharted, I would happily sink dozens of hours into something I, I would be there for the story you know i'd play video games instead of watching tv and uh, you know i want the narrative to to pull me through it don't about you but nowadays um you know life is kind of happening um, yeah. and i i don't have or i feel like i don't have the time to to sink into it um you know like i used to and so rather than sitting there for the 80 odd hours it would take to finish the witcher i would quite happily spend i don't know maybe four or five hours over however many weeks on something that i really enjoyed because of the kind of core mechanics like mercury or, or like a, a decent schmutz and um just i'm not really going anywhere with it yeah. <laughs> you know that some of these games that i've been in, enjoying playing you know you could if you're playing them well, you could probably sit and crack it out in like 20 minutes, 40 minutes, mm. but you've got to play it well and you've got to effectively train for it, you know? And I think that's where I, I would much rather get my lengthened girth in, in games <laughs> nowadays. Sorry. But, you know, the, relentless grind. I am, I am you're right. <laughs> relentless grind's also, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very questionable as a quote. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's probably not good for a podcast to be like, oh, I'll just agree completely. Yeah, there we go. Done. Good point. Can't, can't you just Thank disagree you for the hell of it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that I probably do need to disagree that. So the way that you're talking about it, I feel like you have to earn that as a gamer. It sounds a bit strange. I yeah. I feel like you have to at least have tried out really lengthy games mm. to get to the point where you can feel like, well, what do I prefer? So you can't just say, well, I prefer a short game, and I've always preferred a short game, for example. I think you have to have a variance of games in your life. Now, a long game to me nowadays is maybe 14, 15 hours, which I know it sounds like it, it's not, because, you, like you said, you know, you could play Skyrim for 100 hours or something like that, or yeah. even longer. Uh, and you could play Minecraft endlessly if you wanted to as well. But I feel like the games that are about 14, 15 hours work well for me because they have a length to them that I can get into a story enough but I know there's I can see an end to it I can see yeah. there's going to be an end to it at some point uh, I'm going to use like a game that I played recently uh, Pentiment which is on Game, um, game, game Boy <laughs> X-Pass Xbox, <laughs> Xbox Game Pass and that's a, an example where I even feel like they probably padded the story out a little bit then Mm. And that was that ran about eighteen hours, mm. but I felt like yeah I've, I've played this game to exactly the right length that I wanted to play it. Maybe a little bit long, maybe a couple of hours too long. I feel like I don't. I hate I hate people using excuses. Don't have the time. I don't have the time to invest in a long game. Mm. But you can because there's so many save points nowadays, and it just automatically saves. And it, so, and games are kind of naturally broken up into tasks or side quests. I feel like you could play an Assassin's Creed, for example, and play a side quest every night for half an hour and a main story or something like that. And that would break it up enough for you. So I think it's a pretty piss-poor excuse to say game games are too long or I haven't got enough time to do that. I just feel like I don't want to invest all of my emotion almost in something that will just take so long even no, almost, I want to jump between games and I find myself doing yeah. that anyway I find myself sitting there on my Xbox or now my PSP and immediately even trying to review Mercury this week every bone in my body was like just maybe one round on Tiger Woods <laughs> maybe you know and I'm like no I've got an actual task to do for the podcast I can't yeah. just go away from that but I, I just wanted to jump around different games and that's where I. That's where I'm kind of sat at the moment. It's almost I want to experience as many things as possible. That's why I want them to be short. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I um, I think it's it's an interesting point about things like uh, Assassin's Creed or or what have you, and and doing side quests and sort of chipping away mm. at it. Because I mean, I maybe that's where I've been going wrong. Quite often, like 
with a lot of big RPGs, I'll play quite intensively for, I mean, back in the day, you know, call it 40 hours or something like that. Mm. And then I'd just be like, okay, cool, I need a break now. But then I go back to it six months, a year later, I'm like, the fuck was I doing? Like, yeah, what, what what's doing? happening? What is the story doing? You can't do that. No. no. Metal Gear Solid no. 5, I tried to pick that back up with my save. And I was like, immediately, I was terrible at it. Yeah. And I was I need to go back to the very start of the game. Even like, Ground Z, Ground is it Ground Ground Heroes Zero Ground Zeros Zero Ground Zero. Zeros that the the tutorial effectively of that to mm. understand how to play it again before I even start to get anywhere with the story because I just it's too hard. Yeah, and and I think tied into that is that little part of me that thinks, okay, well I've spent however many dozens of hours on this thing now. What if the ending of this story is going to be shite? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I. Uh, like you the say, that, yeah, well, that, that's it, isn't it? And like, at least with, say, if it is 14 or 15 hours, and it is, then, you know, it, it's, it's okay, cool. It, it's, you know, I can write that off. But if you've invested hundreds of hours onto something and you're just sort of left with, um, you know, the, a story that, that either has an unsatisfying ending or, or worse, no real ending at all, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to go back to Assassin's Creed, couple of times myself and my wife have finished bits of assassin's creed credits roll you're like oh, okay cool like we've got to the end of the story and then you just dropped back in the game world it's like hey you could do the other side quests it's like yeah but the, the character's story's finished like yeah. this feels weird yeah. now um black and, flag yeah I a specific example of that i think i finished the story too early went, <laughs> went back into then it puts you back in the game and i'm like i have so much stuff still to do here i shouldn't have been able to get to the end of the story as easy as I did. Yeah. And it, it's it's one of those ones that I think, especially open world games, they work themselves into knots when it comes to story. And, you know, obviously they don't want to take the game world away from you or anything like mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, it, it's very difficult to work in a satisfying ending. Yeah. And so for, for time investment, you know, you're saying about doing, say, a side quest and, and a... Uh, main story mission a night or whatever I'd rather spend that time playing an arcade game mm-hmm. and feeling like I've got better at it yeah. and I've come away from it you know with a, a bit more knowledge of how a level's laid out or, or mechanics mm. or or something like that um, and yeah I, I, I find myself motivated much less by story and yet I can still sink many many hours into games and mm-hmm. I mean there was someone I was watching on YouTube the other night um, talking about a, a shmup called Rolling Gunner mm. um, and I mean they're they're practicing for a like a one credit clear on the hardest mode and they're easily onto about 125 hours of game time wow. of, of a game that I think you could maybe do in about half hour 45 minutes ish mm-hmm. um, so like that I mean that's easily longer than I ever spent on Skyrim say yeah. Um, so it's definitely horses for courses, but I'm much more leaning towards arcade stuff nowadays. I mean, I'll use an example, which I didn't realise I was such a Call of Duty bitch. I didn't mean to, <laughs> I didn't mean to be. I'm not really kind of that kind of gamer generally, apart from in that specific example, which is just the Battle Royale Warzone. And there's a half an hour version, and that's the pure version of Warzone. But then halfway through the creation of Call of Duty Warzone, they brought out a... a a version called Resurgence, right. which you can then you come back in if you remember your squad is still alive, and the games are fifteen minutes long. Man, that's so much better. You get four games in an hour rather than two games in an hour. You you don't worry so much about dying because if you die in you know the battle royale, you get another chance to come back from the gulag, and that's it. Whereas during Resurgence, I can just run and gun, and that's what I like doing in games, and that's mm. what I'm better at than I am sort of stealth or sniping I'm so shit at sniping in all games <laughs> I uh, honestly like I remember having oh it wasn't called it wasn't time crisis what was the other silent scope mm. silent scope for the PS2 a pure sniping game fucking awful at that and I remember it cost me a lot of money it was one of the initial games it was one oh, of the, I think it might even be a launch title and I was terrible at silent scope and I think I probably just have, like, maybe even the sniping jitters from that game. And any other sniping <laughs> in any other games now, probably even in Uncharted. Even with the nice, stretchy, feely bit <laughs> on the back, zooming in, zooming out, probably awful at that. Probably break the Vita. So, 
yeah, but that's an example of where shortening game length, even within the same mechanics of a game, just made sense for me. Where yeah. I felt like I got and I got better at it by doing the same thing over and over, and actually got more enjoyable, sort of more enjoyable experience out of that. Mm. Um, but we seem to be singing the praises of a lot of shorter games or shorter game lengths. I think there's still something to be said for the investment of 40 hours into Final Fantasy VII or something like that, where yeah. you just think there's grind in there and there's bits of games that you could think that they just need to chunk that out or make it easier to level up. But living in that world for a long period of time isn't necessarily such a bad thing either. I mean, that that's the thing, though. is It's living in it, isn't it? I mean, my wife has cracked up many, many hours on Skyrim. You know, like... That's that's her jam. That's what she goes to. Um, the one we've sunk a lot of time into recently was um, Civilization VI. Okay. Um, and that pl- plays more like a board game. Um, but between that being another one of her go-tos, like if she's ill or something like that, you know, she, she will quite happily spend most of a day mm. just on Civ VI. Um, but we can play it together um, and all that kind of stuff. And I think we must be pushing about... 160 hours, something like that. Pro- almost definitely more across a couple of profiles and stuff like that. Um, and But that is, again, that kind of like immersing yourself in that world. Like we'll have that on in the background of a mm. Sunday afternoon or something like that while we're doing other things mm. around it. You can't really do that with something like Final Fantasy or yeah. Skyrim. Like it's a lot more involved. You've got to dedicate your time to it. And um, I'm I'm bad at committing I think is, is basically it like you're saying about like jumping between things I'm definitely the same um, but then you know like it's it's not not all similarities I'm pretty sure Silent Scope was the only arcade game I ever won any money on uh, wow. there, there was a version at my bowling alley that would have a mini game at the end with like a, a 10 pound note that would like flutter backwards and forwards left yeah. and right going down the screen if you managed to bullseye it you got 10 pounds no way yeah, wow, yeah that's awesome. just, only did it once but I did it yeah um, I mean you didn't spend the 10 pounds on Silent Scope, scope. yeah, 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 yeah no, 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 no. <laughs> definitely weren't in debt to that bowling no, alley no absolutely um, but you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that I think, you know, tastes change and, uh, it's, it's, if you want to sit there and spend an entire afternoon on Skyrim, cool. Mm. If you want to sit there playing, I don't know, some obscure Japanese shooting game, um, and getting precisely nowhere or play Mercury and get to the stage that you're cursing gravity itself, <laughs> um, then that's absolutely fine. Terrible law of physics that it is. <laughs> It's, yeah, I just thought of an example where you talk about multiplayer and I think it's really interesting that I wonder if playing multiplayer will help with game length. So, uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands mm. played with my friends, you're playing a squad with that. Yep. And, but it's still a story. Uh, it's an open world story and, but that's a lot of fun. I never really wanted to play by myself. Like, I would wait until someone said, oh yeah, I'm online. I'd be like, great, I'm going to go crack some more story off. Like, I, I want to be in-depth in this game. I want it to last a long time. Mm. But I want to do it with someone else. And it's not necessarily... You can you can definitely do that game single-play if you want to. But it felt a heck of a lot more fun to have someone else there with you. Uh, because you, you could be doing something else. And something else is socialising while you're doing your tasks and things. Mm. And, I, and I think that helps with game length almost. Like if you want to do a longer game, having someone else there with you. Yeah, I think you're right. Because you kind of drag each other through it, don't you? And I mean, I've been playing a little bit of Wild, Wildlands on oh, and off cool. um, on my own. Oh, and, right. Interesting. Um, it's crushingly lonely. <laughs> 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 Is it the guys that sit standing on the Santa, Santa Blanca? Uh, I sang that for years. That little bit, like, I'm like, how is that? Like, it's stuck in my head. That got the cat's attention. Um, That is. Are you a drug runner, Sunset? (laughs) She's not going to tell you either way. Um, And I I think with with Ghost Recon, it's an interesting one because it is so obvious. That they want you to be playing it with your mates. Yeah, I guess. Um, and similarly, like I, I guess it would be the same with you know Call of Duty uh, Warzone and stuff like that. You know, um, it, it's definitely got that multiplayer bent. I mean, I remember um, the Battlefield games on Xbox three hundred and sixty and and Call of Duty and stuff like that. You know, the the original Modern Warfare trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, like 
myself, my mate Andrew and his twin sister Amy, like we'd, we'd be around his and they had a thumping great big living room. We'd have three Xboxes, three tellies and we would just sit there yeah. online most of the night. Um, and I think we checked back, I wish I could remember which one it was. It might have been Battlefield Bad Company 2 or something like that. We tied it up and it was about a week Wow. We spent on it or something like that. Just solid. Just it didn't <laughs> go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, just bring snacks. Stinking. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was ridiculous hours we spent on it. Um, you know, um, and then I think it was we either started on Modern Warfare 2 and went to Bad Company 2 or, or the other way around. I can't remember exactly which. Um, because we were like, oh, we, we need a change. And then before we knew it, it was like, oh, shit, it's the same amount of time again. Um, you know, Time flies. <laughs> and, all that. and you're like, what, what could I have done with my life? Like, that's, that's basically a week of my life. I'm never getting back. What could I have done in that time? Um, uh, but I think that all the time about... I don't really watch television anymore. A lot of people kind of go, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen, have you seen The Last of Us? Mm. Have you seen Succession and stuff? And I'm like, I, I game and I sleep and I work and I spend time with my family. And they're the things and that's that make, it. Yeah, they're the things that make me happy. And I feel like... It, this is obviously going to be a hot take here, but I feel like television's a waste of time. I'm like, oh God, a whole hour watching an episode, one episode of something that's happening. Yeah. I don't know when that happened to me, but it happened recently, I guess, in the last few years. But now I just find myself just, I want to lose myself in, in gaming. And that's probably because there's something to uh, the fact that I, I, can, I can jump around different things in a short period of time. And things like Game Pass making it easy to do that. Mm. Uh, even picking up the PSP and my addiction to eBay and buying PSP games on eBay. So just to let you guys know that I've bought another 15 games this week. But they, but it sounds terrible. Oh, God, another 15 games. It costs me £20. Yeah. No, it's £25. It's, it's barely anything, really. And I'm going to be using them for, the, you know, for obviously the podcasts and things, but also for my own enjoyment. Yeah. I've now got a library of games for the PSP. That, and this is me going back to saying you should pick one up because it's really good value at the moment. And about 40 games. And it's cost me about £120 to have that option in, mm. in my hands. And I, that as a, a therapeutic effect on me, I can play whatever, almost whatever I want, whenever I want. And that makes me feel really free. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And like, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you that, that TV just doesn't do it for me mm. in the way that it used to. And, um, you know, I... I um, studied film and TV at uni and stuff like that, and I knew a few people who would say study English, and then say, "Well, I, I find it difficult to enjoy reading a book now because I'm trying to analyze it too much." And I and I think over time that started to happen to me a little bit, and that's where games and stories that they were telling were of interest because it was doing it in a slightly different way and, yeah. and approaching it in an interesting way, and and I found it easier to switch off the uh, the kind of the overly critical analytical side of me. Um, which obviously now I'm assigning arbitrary numbers out of 10 to games is, you know, looking forward to ruining that (laughs) hobby for myself. I wanted you to put an arbitrary number on the amount of hours a game should be lengthwise. (laughs) Just to really freak you out. You don't have to do that. I'm glad you said I don't have to do that because I've just thought of how many hours I must have spent on the various Street Fighters over the years, (laughs) you know, and like, Replayability, though, we're going to talk about that, and that's, yeah, that, I guess and that comes that, into it, That's really. exactly where it lies, and shmups as well, and it, it's, like you were saying about Mercury, and the, the mechanics of it, and the fact that they spent time on the mechanics of it, and started there, and made sure they were good, um, and that it just felt good to play, mm. means so much yeah. to a game, um, and I think, you know, that's where you can have something that on paper is so simple, and uh, you know, with Mercury compared to Uncharted, um, and they come out with the same score yeah, <laughs> at the yeah, end of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it counts for a lot. And that replayability and knowing that you could go in and, um, sure, like if it's a fighting game, you're on the left, they're on the right, you all know the buttons to less for greater extent, I suppose. Um, but it's still going to play out mm-hmm. in, a, in a reasonably unpredictable way. Um, I think is more engaging to me nowadays than it ever used to be. I don't know how I marry up in my head the fact that if someone said to me, you have to complete a game and it's 80 hours long and that makes me feel physically sick. <laughs> but then they would say to me, oh, you have to play these 10 games and they're all eight hours long. 
and it's going to take the same amount of time. Mm. But I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool, interesting. Cool, bring it on. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> yeah. can't wait for that. Like, it's in, so I guess it is just the variety is the spice of life for me. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Although, I mean, it's probably another, a conversation for another time, but, you know, compared to when I was younger and had fewer games and felt I had to spend more time on each of them because I had fewer games um, and stuff like that, it, it's quite, like, definitely privileged to be in a position nowadays to have... Uh, ready access to you know these kind of bigger libraries yeah. um, for all these different experiences cool so. well I think that we might be off to go and watch the Desperately Sexy Housewives do their thing maybe well, or I mean, maybe you, just you me. might yeah. <laughs> maybe just me it is a handheld I mean, we've, we've all seen the picture <laughs> oh I won't be holding my hand my friend <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and on that note Thank you very much for listening to the Living La Vita Loca podcast. I've been Faz. I'm still rich. <laughs> I mean, I'm technically Richard. Um, I'm not rich. I'm very cash poor. We are impinging heavily on copyright with our title of our podcast also. so Yeah, if, if Ricky Martin wants to get in touch, you know, just you know, let us know. You're always welcome to come have a cup of tea or whatever. I'll lend him my PSP. Um, just, you know, we record this in my house, so if you could knock first, like, that'd be nice. Don't come in because, then, yeah. <laughs> don't, uh, right, don't come in. Don't, don't just turn up and come in. Um, yeah. Okay, we're going to leave now. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>